Blog Talk Radio. As of the 1st of October 2019, in South Australia, a new law was passed that allows a public servant to enter, remain, inspect, or use reasonable force to break into any premise, place, vehicle or vessel. This public servant can remove items from the premises to be used as evidence in future, and a warrant is not required if there is a suspicion, just a suspicion, that a vulnerable adult is at risk of abuse. Matters will then be directed to a court or tribunal that is not bound by the rules of evidence, can determine matters as it thinks fit, and can reach an outcome just on the balance of probabilities, not beyond reasonable doubt. Victims often end up a ward of state. The public guardian and public trustee are often placed as the ultimate decision maker and take over all affairs. These laws are expected to be rolled out in other states next year. Are you scared yet? Good evening everyone. This is Marty Oakley of PPJ Gazette Online and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening everyone and welcome. That was our beautiful Marty who always is going to be starting the show out for us. And tonight's show just shows how powerful a voice that Marty has. She, yeah, she is the reason why we are connected with Chris in Australia. And we, we just have such a big show. And Marty is the reason why so many people know each other on the other side of the planet. And we are so honored to be able to continue this show in Marty's name. Um, so we have Reverend Ralph on the show tonight. Reverend, say hello. Good evening, listeners worldwide. And we also have Chris from Australia. Say hello, Chris. Good evening, everyone, from the land down under. And um, how, uh, look, listening to Marty's voice, it's just, um, yeah, she's, just, she's with us here in spirit today, and she's always with us. So it's so great to hear her voice. It is so great. Now, Chris, were you able to have any more people join you tonight? Yes. Um, hopefully, um, Mia from um, Mia will join us as well um, from South Australia. Hopefully, she'll call in. Um, she'll be listening in as well. And uh, in a few more programs or later on down the track, we've got Julia and a few other members, our, our other core members that will call in as well. Um, Today our show, or the show will be updating what's happening in Australia. We've been sort of missing in action. We've been quite busy. Um, so many reports, more fantastic journalism in this country, um, reporting guardianship and exposing these uh, guardianship abuses that are, are going worldwide. This is a worldwide racket. And uh, it would seem that um, we've been very lucky there are some great advocates, not even not part of Asgard. There are other advocates in Australia that are now on. They've always been there anyway, but um, even before Asgard, but um, they're speaking out, uh, contacting journalists. Journalists are taking the stories, uh, presenting them to the general public. You know, the general audience, general Australians uh, are waking up to what's called guardianship abuse. I'm so. So glad um, we joined up with Marty years ago and, and yourself to expose this. I think that's really, really been um, tremendous. Uh, I was so lucky that advocates 
when, when we created Asgard just, you know, allowed us to, um, you know, and, and sort of just expose this and we can carry that on in Marty's name and in um, many other advocates as well. I think it's really, it's frightening that this is happening. It's happening in the US, it's happening now in Italy. We have uh, advocates in Italy, in Greece. We have advocates in the UK, Norway as well have contacted us. Uh, obviously Australia, New Zealand, Japan. This is a worldwide network. This is worldwide abuse. And I think, you know, that, that we're all connecting, that we're all gathering together mm-hmm. and voicing and exposing this. I think it's great. I think it's great finally light is being shone onto this area. And if we don't keep this voice going... And Marty would expect that. If we don't keep this voice going, mm-hmm. they will continue to abuse our most vulnerable, young and old, under the guise of protecting them. Absolutely. And Aska is one of our biggest supporters here at TS Radio Network. And I appreciate that so much, Chris. It just I was just I was so humbled when when you said like Taz, we're gonna help continue to support Blog Talk Radio and TS Radio Network, and it just meant the world. So thank you so much for supporting us, and not not just financially, but just the encouragement that you are always giving all of us who have met each other and are joined in really Marty's name. The only reason why there will be international connections, even as we meet more countries, it's going to be because of Marty Oakley. And we will never forget Marty, and we will always, always, always give her all the credit. But you know what? Before we get started, we have Reverend Ralph on the line. Reverend Ralph is in the midst of a what we call a live trial, and he is going to give us what we call the thought of the day and to update us what's going on in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, United States. Take it away, Reverend Ralph. Good. Thank you, Cos. Uh, I had mentioned uh, about a month and a half ago, two months, that I had met the Attorney General, the new Attorney General of Pennsylvania, and I had given her a packet of documents pertaining to the corruption and guardianship and how tens of thousands of senior citizens have been victimized and their life savings taken because of it. And I was told that she would take about six weeks or so to set up an appointment with her assistant and myself and other people to talk about it. Well, basically, recently, last week, I got the brush off that uh, there was not going to be any meeting, and that was the end of that story. Uh, Same way with the uh, Bucks County uh, District Attorney, who also uh, I had requested a meeting with his lawyers, uh, prosecutors, uh, who deal with elderly crimes, because guardianship corruption is mainly on the elderly. And basically, I got the word back that there was not going to be any meeting with them. Uh, Last week, I went to the Montgomery County detectives in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and uh, I had gone to them last November of 2022, and I wanted to uh, tell them about the situation with my loved one, and many, many other people wanted to talk to that detective about their situation that happened in Montgomery County. Well, after three weeks, he closed down the investigation and basically said it was a civil matter. Uh, So last week I went back and I talked to a Detective Kelly, Joseph Kelly, and had about a five-minute meeting with him before he showed me the door and said he'll let me know when his investigation is over. So anybody that 
was a victim in Montgomery County, go back to him and tell him you want your story also uh, heard. Uh, maybe if enough people call, they'll have to open up an investigation and make it official. I wanted to file a complaint against Judge Weilheimer, who's handling my loved person's case for the last almost two years, and the fact that the corruption that's been involved with that court and on the uh, my loved person. So who knows what this uh, Joseph Kelly uh, is going to do pertaining to that. But people need to call him up. Because, again, I got the case reopened to a point, but the more people that call, hopefully that will put so much pressure on the DA's office that they will open up and take it seriously. Also, uh, people, you have to go to your local district attorney's office in your county uh, nationwide to file these complaints. Because if they don't know about it, they're not going to do anything about it. Also, go to your local FBI office. Contact them. Tell them your story about how your uh, loved person is being victimized. Now, one of the things uh, I found that was interesting, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, that on the Montgomery County website, it talks about uh, under guardianship, it talks about how uh, a guardianship and the guardian should treat their loved, uh, to, should treat their clients. And I thought, I said, you know, that should be the standard for guardianships nationwide. Yes, we do need specific laws, because otherwise, this is how guardians get away with what they do. They cannot be locked in on what they've done wrong, because there's no laws that say they can't do it. It's not nice, it's not right, but there's no laws that can, will hold them accountable. So, by pure chance, about a week ago, I went on, uh, I was looking through the Internet, and in Pennsylvania, there is such a law. It's the Pennsylvania Statute 20, Section 5521, and it says, I'm going to quote it, the duty of guardian of the person, it shall be the duty of the guardian of the person to assert the rights and best interests of the incapacitated person, express wishes and preference of the incapacitated person shall be respected to the greatest possible extent, where appropriate, the guardian shall assure and participate in the development of a plan of supportive services to meet the person's needs, which explains how the services will be obtained, decisions which affect him to act on his own behalf whenever he is able to do so and to develop or regain to the maximum possible extent his capacity to manage his personal affairs. Now, this is a law. And this, I think, says a lot. The fact that instead of the victim, as I would call them, instead of the victim being uh, regulated to that to the, basically a toaster on the shelf, basically they're just a bank account, this gives credibility and uh, firmness to the person that he is a human being. He's not an object. He is a human being, and he should be treated like one. And he is the one that's in charge of what he wants for his life, not somebody else to deny the family members who know him best, not to deny the person, uh, even though he's been labeled as incapacitated. There are degrees of incapacitation, and that's something that is severely overlooked. So this is something where 
the families have to assert the rights and assert the uh, law in Pennsylvania. You'll have to check it in your states to see what else, uh, to see just how much that incapacitated person has the ability to speak for himself. But because it is a law, even if it's not a law in your state, a lawyer can use that law in his argument to say this is what Pennsylvania believes, why shouldn't it be that way in that particular state? And this, I feel, gives more uh, importance to the fact that the victim, the incapacitated person, is not simply uh, just locked in a nursing home and forgotten about him until people just, the guardians and their lawyers decide just to take his money whenever they feel like it. And this is something where it has to be done. The people just cannot overlook that. Now, if there is a, say, a group meeting of the family, the guardian, and so forth, and the incapacitated person, if they do have a meeting to formally, uh, you know, talk about what things the person wants and so forth, in my opinion, we all know about the serious trouble or problem of druggings in nursing homes. And this is something where if you're going to have a meeting where the person will be speaking, it is important, in my opinion, that all the drugs that that person is on, except for life medicines that deal with his life and well-being, but any other types of pills or whatever for uh, waking the person up, uh, going to bed at night, sleeping and so forth, that medication should be uh, denied or disallowed for at least 48 hours for the medicine to wear off. And I say that because uh, there was a case in Pennsylvania, it was about four years ago, five years ago, called the Rosengarten case. And it's posted on my website, protectmyparents.us, under uh, cases. The Rosengarten case was about a woman who was guardianized because she was making bad decisions. Well, it turns out that she had stopped taking her medication, and that's why she was making bad decisions. So once she went back on her medication, she was quite well again. And the Rosengarten case, and her name was Rosengarten, proved that even if a person has been declared incapacitated, if they regain that ability then that person uh, could be taken out of guardianship, which she was. So this is why any types of pills or medications that do not deal directly with the person's uh, life and well-being, if this person's going to be talking at a meeting with the family and the guardian and so forth, then that person should be in the clearest possible uh, speaking ability to decide what they want and so forth. Because, again, those types of pills could alter the person's ability to think uh, clearly. Uh, now, one of the um, reasons why people, uh, the persons, become guardianized is because the family is sold a bill of goods by the guardian. Uh, I mean, you've never seen a used car salesman angry. He's always smiling and so forth. And the family 
meets the guardian, and the guardian is this very nice, sweet person and talks about how much they love people and, oh, they have all these happy customers. And the family doesn't realize that this is going to create a nightmare for them in the future. And what happens is they believe what the guardian says. They have never gone through something like this before, so they don't know the right questions to ask. So what happens is they ask them how much they charge an hour, and they sign the person up, and the court approves them. But what happens afterwards, the the guardian knows what they're going to do, which is they're going to take as much money as possible from the victim in various ways. For example, uh, the guardian will start hiring people. And this this is very sneaky what they do, because in contract law, if you do not agree to something, you cannot be charged for it. For example, if you take your car in for repairs, just say for an oil change, the mechanic cannot charge you four or $5,000 for a new engine if you do not agree to it. And this is what I have found time and time again. When these people become guardianized, the family just allows it to happen that the guardian can hire all these different people, lawyers and care managers and so forth, And then that's how the billing hours start racking up and the people's bank account is drained because they don't realize that they can stop it. They can object to it. The fact that these people did not agree, the family did not agree that all those other people could be hired. And what's important to note is that uh, if if it's not objected to, that guardian is going to take as much money as they can. And what everybody knows is if you run a business, you have expenses, electricity, insurance, and whatever. And it's the same way with the guardian. He is running a business. He has no ability to just start hiring people and then charging the victim for them hiring all those people. He was hired as the guardian. If he needs legal advice, then that's something he pays for. And most likely, he has many, many other clients that he's going to ask questions about, or he knows uh, that there are questions he, he will need to ask or has asked. So he doesn't need to constantly ask this lawyer. But again, if they can get away with throwing the money back and forth to different people just to give them jobs and give them extra money, they're going to do so. Now, uh, one question that I have thought about, which determines if, if, you're, if you have found your guardian to be abusive, and you might have two guardians, one of the person, one of the estate, if you find your guardian is uh, abusing that uh, ability of just siphoning off money, the one question, if you get a hearing in court, the one question that will shut everybody up is, how is that person better off medically mentally, physically, financially, and their happiness, how are they better off now than they were before the guardian got involved? Now, that's important because if they can't think of at least one way that they've improved the life and welfare of that person, then they shouldn't be a guardian because they haven't contributed anything to the welfare and happiness of the uh, incapacitated person. 
And that's probably, in my opinion, one of the easiest ways to get rid of these guardians, just by showing to the judge, hey, look at all the money they've taken. What did they do for it? And if this is why the family has to get involved with the person before that the court assigns a guardian to them, because the more power they give away, the less uh, ability they have to stop that person. Now, another point I I like to bring up is uh, lawyer fees are ranging from 350 to $400, and it's breaking everybody. And this is a very tragic situation where the family has taken out a second mortgage probably for the house just because these lawyers just say, oh, give me another 5000 that kind of thing, every month. And when these families, they have children, they have mortgages, they have car payments, they're working jobs and all, they just don't have this money. Uh, especially they don't have the money to waste. And they're put in a very difficult situation where the their loved person is being neglected by the guardian or is being abused or they're in a very low-rated nursing home. And what happens is, what are they going to do? Allow their mother or their father or whatever to rot in this place while the guardian just takes advantage and just ignores them? And this is something where they are they come to the point where the only thing left to do is to do it themselves, to handle the matter themselves, which is unfortunately a very, it's like a rock in a hard place. Uh, the people don't know the law, and being your own lawyer is called pro bono. And if you look that term up in your uh, search engine, you will see hundreds and hundreds of articles about uh, pro bono, and especially in your state. Uh, as far as what rules there are and so forth. And what I've found is uh, basically in Pennsylvania, and I was told this by Judge Weilheimer in the very beginning of the petition hearing, that I'm expected to know as much as a lawyer does. Now, how, do you, how are you supposed to be uh, as much of an expert in the law as a lawyer who went through three years of law school? And being pro bono it's basically you're spending your time, but you're not getting anything accomplished because the lawyer for the guardian will just bring up all these different legal points to deny you asking questions, to deny your points and whatever. There is no sympathy by a judge in court for somebody who's pro bono. You are held to the same standards as a lawyer, and you can do your best but you're still going to be held responsible to that situation. Now, one of the suggestions I have is go to your local law school. If you go to your local law school, they may have a program where a professor has a couple of students, and they do the research and so forth, and the professor oversees that matter, and it's free. And that way, you get the expertise of a law professor and the students doing the work for extra credit. So uh, that way, you know, you have a better chance of winning and getting something accomplished. And this is basically one of the easiest ways, if you can, if you have a law school that's close by, that uh, you can get some something uh, of quality in your case. Yeah. Now. 
Also, wow. every county has a uh, courthouse, and every well, courthouse I, has I, a law library. And those librarians are very, very good at what they do. I've often seen lawyers in the law library asking them questions yeah. as far as where to find things and so forth. So that's another way you can try to get some expert information without, uh, mm-hmm. you know, without just walking in the dark. Uh, yeah. One of the abilities or one of the um, terms or uh, search engine results I found, there's one website called probonolegal.net. There's another one called law.cornell.edu. And those areas, and again, all you got to do is type in pro bono, and you will find hundreds and hundreds of various websites mm-hmm. that can give you information to help. Now, awesome. finally... I want to talk about something that uh, I've encountered in my situation, and I've gotten so many emails from people who have also encountered the same thing, which is when the guardian does what's called demonizing. Uh, They create a lie, and they blame the family member uh, of creating problems for the victim. And they do that. The guardians do this because the family member may take too much of an interest in what's going on by the guardian and point out all the problems that the guardian has overlooked. And when this happens, and like I said, it's happened to me and many, many other people, they, the guardian doesn't care about your feelings or the feelings of the incapacitated person. They will deny, they will deny visits to that person by a family member and it does and I've heard cases I have people telling me husbands and wives sons and daughters for years have been denied the visits to their loved mm-hmm. one and I know hey, a Reverend gentleman Bell? Yes I'm just going to I think we need to um we've got more people on Australia calling in and I already have people sending messages that they want to ask so I know we don't get them often I am so sorry do you think we That's could right. finish um okay because this is really getting to be a full board did um is this Mia who we have online now Did you Hi is that you someone else? Yes I we have Hello. more Aust- Hello is this Mia Yes, is that you? Yeah, can oh. you hear me? All right, and we and we ha- yes, and we have Chris online. Let's go ahead and get started. We're so glad that you made it on, uh, and talk about what's going on over there in Australia, because it made the news here in the United States that the UN has issued sanctions on your country, basically crimes against humanity, and one of the sanctions was how the elderly are being isolated. So we want to hear from both of you. What is going on? Take it away. Well, Chris, yeah, Chris, you take this one here because you're more onto the. Um, firstly, cause um, I'd like to say a big thank you to Marty. I'm so um, sad to hear of her passing. And as Chris says, I believe that she'll always be with us. Um, she was just a walking encyclopedia of knowledge, strength of everything. She was just a true champion when it came to guardianship. Um, she just everything was just you know just an encyclopedia, and it's just. It's so sad um, for, you know, for everyone uh, at her passing. So I just, yeah, like to say thank you. Big thank you. She gave us a voice when no one else would in our country. Um, so we're just forever grateful um, to her. So, Chris, I'll let you take on with the UN. 
Not a problem. Thanks, Mia. Um, yes, the UN, cause the UN has... Um, and b- before going on to the UN, I think uh, Reverend Ralph raised some interesting points regarding um, the, the terminology we see in terms of best interests, welfare, um, the interests of the person, least restrictive options. We see that littered in legislation as well here in Australia and no one follows it. So once the public guardian or the guardian takes over, all that's thrown out. And um, they define, and lawyers and the fees and everything else, the systems are the same worldwide. And I think uh, listening to Reverend Ralph talk about that, I think that is so, they've really worked this system and they're just implementing this worldwide. So as we become vulnerable, whether we're young or old, they're using this lo- these lovely ter- this terminology of least restriction, best you know exercising control, the interests of the person, but they do nothing once you're under guardianship. And I think that's propaganda. It is it is um, gaslighting where they're gaslighting the public, and that's not happening. And that's what we're doing. Our groups, our associations, we're getting that message out across, of saying it's not happening. When you go into court, you do need to. Go back, as we did in, 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 um, in court the other day, and start talking about the interests of the person and proving that they're not working in the best interests of the person. And I agree with Reverend Ralph on that point. But going back to the UN torture, well, we've had an interesting um, um, uh, <laughs> a couple of months here. Um, the UN, um, Australia has joined now Rwanda as the only country or the only two countries to have been... Um, visited uh, by the US and had their visits cancelled. So uh, the UN, under one of their treaties in terms of um, uh, cruelty um, in, um, well, basically in institutions, whether they be prisons, aged care, disability group homes, um, nursing homes, hospitals, they decided to um, visit three states, New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria, they were denied access by the state governments, allegedly, and uh, the UN had to leave. And that really shows you and it shows the public what is actually happening in this lovely country of ours, that the UN, their requirements, okay, their, their laws, their auditing, they have been denied access to these facilities. It, it just confirms what all the advocates in aged care, group homes... Um, in guardianship, what we've all been saying for many, many decades, that there are abuses happening in Australia, that the UN has been denied access to our facilities here. They are comparing us to Rwanda, which is actually quite frightening. And they've been blocked. And it's it's quite scary that we, you know, it's called OPCAT, um, it was basically designed to protect the rights and the health and the safety of people in detention, whether that be in youth detention centres, immigration detention, hospital aged care disability, and the UN have been denied access by state governments. And the question we always say is why? Why are we, why are our state governments not allowing um, the UN to come in and independently audit these facilities? I, I have my opinions on that. You have yours as well, Cos, mm-hmm. but... How frightening is that, yep. that Australia has now been compared to Rwanda? That's very frightening. Very, and very yes, frightening. Yeah. I, I'm, not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about the UN. The truth is, I don't think we, we really need other people coming in. I think we should be 
fixing up our own business, our own bad, what's going on in our countries, and that, you know, other people from the UN or whichever, you know, uh, nations come in and decide to... We, we know what's going on. We, the people of the country that we're living in, know what, exactly what's going on. So uh, we sh- should be the ones that should be fixing it, not needing... That's just my, my opinion when it comes to outsiders, so to speak. Like I said, I don't know the United Nations track record myself, but, um, yeah. Look, can I just say, I think guardianship, it's really simple what's going on here. It's, it's a racket. It's a crime scene. It's a criminal enterprise. And I think if we simplify it for people to understand in, like, you know, how's it happening, the laws, how it's happening, the institutions, and then the victims, so we can we corroborate this, you know, these... Uh, uh, abuses and exploitation and murders, um, and we you put it to the people. You sort of uh, you can't sort of go to your abuser. I know that we need to, we need to change legislation, but I think that may come with as people become more informed, like you bring them the awareness how this is going. This is the way it's going. I mean, you can see it's ramping up when you know they brought COVID in. Um, you can see straight away they were able under the act that I think, believe your country, it's probably the same sort of act, they were able to bring in the restrictions, the isolation of family, mm-hmm. um, death protocols, you know, and then telling you, keeping family away. So they'll be able to, they were able to do so much and they've done it under the same act. Well, in Australia they do. We have like a public health act. So it's the same guardianship and very similar. It's all the same arena. So by this, we'll be able to reach more people. We can, and, and, just simplify them for it to understand that a lot of people get in through, as Reverend Ralph said, we, we all know that that story, the, the fraudulent claims, the allegations. Um, we have, you know, hospitals, you know, everyone is in on that. You might have a conflict within a family member, uh, with a family member. So, but also um, that conflict shouldn't be a reason why all families are re- removed. But in Australia, that seems to be a primary uh, thing to, you know, to have a, a valid power of attorney revoked and suspended um, and for a state takeover. So, um, yeah, I, I would just, I would love to see more people coming on board. I think we can make a big difference um, if, if by getting the information out there, just con- continuing, but trying to get it in a simplified manner. We've got a lot of laws. They just keep bringing in legislation. It's just so convoluted. This is very simple. I think if we restored, firstly, the natural rights to, to family, Right, and and brought it yeah. into arenas where, where evidence matters. Right, where where evidence, you know, you can't just be removed because you know that the sister or the sibling that's upset with you or brother whoever has you know made false. They've got to be able to show. Uh, you don't shouldn't be removed because your family member's got dementia and turned on you. Uh, so there's a few obviously things in there, but I think we wouldn't have a lot of this if it was restored to the family. Families' rights always first unless something can be proven. And then from there, um, they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able to suspend because this is how it's happening. They're just saying, rubber stamping. It's like clockwork. They're sending, feeding people into the system. And as, as Chris is obviously right on top of the NDIS in Australia, how they're abusing and exploiting these young um, you know, kids, young adults with disabilities, um, you know, isolating them from families. So, yeah, that's just my take on that one. Yeah. So, Reverend Ralph, did you on. say that 
Reverend Ralph, would you say that's pretty much what they were describing in Australia is what you experienced in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania? Oh, very much so. I mean, it's like a nationwide yeah. or it, or international playbook that these guardians mm-hmm. do, whether it's in the United States or Australia. It's And the lady was right. It's a syndicate. It's a racket. Uh, it's like a mafia. And this is something, for some reason, these uh, law enforcement departments, like the district attorney or the attorney general's office or even the FBI, doesn't seem to think uh, it's that important or take it that seriously. I have a question in Australia. Oh, go ahead. No, no, what I was just going to say, Reverend Ralph, it's not, I don't know that they don't take it seriously. From what I believe I heard the other day, if I'm correct, is that when it comes to the state, so for instance in Australia, it's an office of public advocate, they're actually state employees, and they won't touch them when it has... Yeah, if it was a family member that was accused of the abuse, they'd be at the door straight away. But when it relates to the Office of Public Advocate, so a state employer, employee, sorry, um, they won't touch them. So it's almost like they're a protected racket. Yeah. And I don't know whether that would be the same for you. So in so as Reverend Ralph was talking about going to district attorneys and FBI's, what sort of law enforcement do you have in Australia? Do you have anything that's similar? We just have the police. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, anything police. like investigative agency. I'm sorry well, to laugh. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Adult safeguarding. In, in some in one case oh, that please. I know of, adult safeguarding unit. That is a that's a that's a, a racket in itself. Uh, <laughs> oh, designed, oh the complaints process, the, the sales complaints process. Yes. I mean, sorry. Yeah, it's called the Adult Safeguarding Unit, and they were created, I, I believe, I believe, to feed more people into a system, right? Um, but so not really. It's just the police, and it appears that when the abuse is at the hands of government institutions. It's um, mm-hmm. a no-go zone. Is that, that my sounds right, like the Christian same Law? that's going here. Even though our, our yeah, yeah. would you say, Reverend Ralph? It almost sounds like the same here when the district attorney isn't going to investigate it. We just—it's just kind of interesting, like to learn how government works in all the different countries. I have another question for um, you, Chris and Maya. All these other countries, like you were like mentioning Norway, Scotland, Japan, these different countries that are reaching out to you, who's going to be able to basically organize a global organization, which is, looks like everything's coming together? Now, if Marty were still with us, Marty could do that, but I know I'm no Marty. So I'm just wondering, as as more as more countries are starting to come forward and and we're all finding each other who's going to organize it who's going to be like the umbrella have 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 you all thought about being that umbrella to represent all these other countries well what What, happened um, because yeah that's a good question if if someone from each country is that for instance chris you're the head here for australia cause if you want to be the head for US, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure, but if if there's one leader, because it makes it I suppose easier when there's so many speaking for so many, it can be a bit tricky. So maybe if there was one person in each country, a main person that was the voice for 
that who may have yeah. other states or whatever? Is well, that well, easier? I would say, firstly, <laughs> sorry, in the United sorry, States, I'm, I'm, it's, it's NASCA. I wouldn't want to take credit for that. Okay. So here in the United States, we have the National Association mm-hmm. to Stop Guardianship Abuse. So I would, I, would, uh, I would volunteer them to be the voice of the United States. So then you guys are the voice of Australia. And then as we have these other groups coming, they're going to start groups just like NASCA and ASCA. Well, what and then I, everyone work together. Firstly, like yeah, I'd like to firstly state uh, we like Maria, well, me, you know, me and I, Maria and myself, we basically we 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 run ASCA, so we are the head of our organisation. I'd like to to point out there are great advocates. They're not part of our organisation, but they are wonderful advocates that have been advocating longer than we have on guardianship abuses and they and they are prolific on Twitter and on other social media platforms and hats off to them. So I think we're one of many groups that are now speaking out in Australia. We do, um, we do want to take this on at a national level and in terms of a global level, we need to recognise mm-hmm. that there is a world guardianship network that exists. The guardianship system have their own global network. We are one step behind them, probably two. Um, They have coordinated the system since the 1980s. We are now catching up. And before Marty's passing, we actually had this discussion. And I said to Marty, Marty, you need to coordinate a global movement. Marty was going to actually... Um, Marty had dealings with um, individuals in Japan, groups in Japan, Canada, ourselves, obviously, um, um, obviously America, NASCA, and also Ireland and Scotland and other groups. Marty passed away and that sort of fell down. We need to now coordinate our own national group. There are differences. Um, There are advocates that don't see eye to eye, and that's okay. But we need to stay focused on this issue, we shouldn't have any of this, um, any, any differences should not stop any advocate from pushing forward. And clearly we represent ASGAR, which is our, our group, and there are many other advocates out there, and, and we support them. Even though they're not part of ASGAR, we support them. We, we support any group that wants to expose this horrible system. Um, we're not interested in any any um, other issues or people, you know, with other vested interests. But we are really pushing ahead with this, and and it's worked. And and all of us coordinating. And I think that's that we need to have that discussion. We need to now coordinate um, advocates worldwide to discuss this. Yeah. We've, what we're doing here, what we're doing in Australia, is we've um, reached out to some local advocates in various states. We're now going to, like, like Mia said, we're going to the people. We're going into the group homes, we're going into the hospitals, and we're going into the aged care facilities, and we're filming victims. No one believes us. Do you know that we're this, I've heard this time and time again, conspiracy theorists, um, uh, liars we've been called, oh, um, disgruntled family members. Do you hear that? The, the, they're the common things that we keep hearing. People don't want to believe mm-hmm. this will happen to them. They don't want to believe this can happen to them. They think that their powers of attorney and legal documents and their trusts will save them. It only happens to those that have 
you know, rat bag children or, you know, disgruntled family members. What we're seeing in this country, divorce. Divorce is a reason now for the public guardian to step in and take over your disabled child. I recently last week flew in. I met up with Mia in South Australia. There was a case there. A mother took her took the public guardian to court and she actually followed Reverend Ralph's um, suggestions. She focused on her child, on her child's best interests. She proved to the court that her child was being neglected. She proved it. Now, she, we, the, the, the orders came through. She won that case. That's great. The problem is... You know, these matters are heard by the tribunal. We don't trust the tribunals. These tribunals determine matters as they see fit. They can ignore evidence. The members have discretionary powers. Um, the right to appeal to a court is a very costly process. This poor woman put her house on the line for this, mortgaged her home to fight. We shouldn't have this. We're advocating, our group is advocating for guardianship and administration matters to commence in lower courts and they can snake their way up to higher courts if there's any issues that need to be um, discussed. Families should not automatically be removed. Your legal documents should not automatically be uh, withdrawn. This is a business, as Reverend Ralph posted, this is guardianship is a business. You're sitting on a yeah. house that can be sold and churned and it turned into legal fees and accounting fees and everyone gets a slice of that pie and you're put into a facility left to rot. And we're seeing it more and more. We're seeing the stories come out. There was a story recently that you, um, I'm sure you're familiar with, Cos, of a 95-year-old woman tasered in an aged uh -huh. care facility. Um, that garnished yeah, worldwide um, criticism. It did. Um, and... And, and, and everyone saw it. Everyone saw this 95-year-old woman, 4 o'clock in the morning, um, apparently, we, we don't know the full story, holding a butter knife or a steak knife, or one, of the, one knife. Um, she was in a Zimmerman frame, so she's in a walking frame. Clearly, we're not talking about Rambo here. We're talking about a 95-year-old woman in a walking frame who was tasered. Now... There's been a lot of criticism levied at the police. I'm not one of them that is actually levying criticism and, and at the police. I think the police well, should not well, have been called. Well, I can tell you I'm, I'm not, levying a I'm lot not. of criticism, Adam. It's disgraceful. Yeah, I'm not. Don't. The reason why, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I'm not. The facility that was looking after this woman should have been prepared for such a situation. They should not have called the police. Uh, she's a 95-year-old woman. They could have easily, anyone with martial arts um, or a background in defence, well, one might, sorry, they should have just used a doona or a pillow to subdue this poor woman well, for whatever reason. Lying My question... They're lying. Even the nursing sorry? home is lying. The nursing oh, yeah, home oh, look, lying. I think there's a lot of cover-up here. And my, my criticism... Yeah, yeah, there is. My criticism is why was the police called at 4 o'clock in the morning on a 95-year-old woman? No one's asking that my question. Criticism, my criticism is, is why on earth this woman was ever tasered? There's no exception. She shouldn't have been okay, tasered, no. And that, and that will go okay, through the courts, so obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, that not, will go through the courts. That will go through the courts. And hopefully we have a transparent um, account of what happened with those events. No woman should be tasered at all or shot at or anything. Um, I agree. But my criticism is solely on the... Ner- well, why, why was the police called at 4 o'clock in the morning? Now, Marsha Joyner has opened my eyes to what is going on in hospice and what happens yeah. in the middle of the night and so on, right? So the first question I thought, and I thought of Marsha when I thought of this, I thought, what was so frightening for this 95-year-old woman in her room to grab a steak knife mm. and protect well, herself? Yeah, Do you see my point mean, on that? Yeah, dementia people is a different illness. And, and generally, a lot, not all of them, um, but an, an elderly woman in a chair can be. They can be. Sometimes you just need to um, just take their guard down by music. There's a lot of ways that you can get them if they become aggressive to you know calm down. And and they chose the most um, abusive way to uh, disarm if she truly was armed. Um, and we don't know that she wasn't aggravated. We don't you know we don't know any of that. Um, she you know as I said, dementia is a, is a horrid illness. And um, it's just disgraceful. That is just, it's just a stain. It's really just disgusting. It just, it just made me really, really um, cross to, to think that you could even contemplate something um, that, that... But I that think tactic. that it, it's wrong. It's, it's clearly wrong. But my questions were not... I, I felt that the scapegoat would be this police officer. The question I had... Well, firstly, uh, facilities should be facilities should be able to um, disarm a 95-year-old woman. That's my criticism. My criticism is they shouldn't they shouldn't call the police. The police have far more important things to do than run into a a nursing home at 4 o'clock in the morning. When, when you look at what is going on in this country, um, the police have far more important work. The, 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 these aged care facilities are well-funded. They have security guards. They have... Um, to, to me, it was an unnecessary call. If I was in that room and I was an aged care facility, you know, a support worker, I would have said... Oh, firstly, I don't know what was happening at 4 o'clock in the morning. I would have grabbed a pillow... And I would have just, you know, sort of disarmed her with the pillow or a doona and safely it's do simple. that, not harming her. Okay. That's yeah. simple. I've seen it. I've visited nursing homes for seven years yeah, straight. I saw right. the aggression. Yeah. And they're very easy to take down with good people working, okay? They're very, very simple to disarm. And even sometimes you just let them go for a bit, as long as they're not obviously... Um, there are many ways, but they chose the most, most aggressive and abusive option to supposedly disarmed this woman um, when there, there was other means. So I, 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 there's no other thing to really, in my book, that needs to be um, no exception. In, in this and, and, and I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unfortunate that this happened and that a story like this has made national news all over the world. And it goes right along with the UN sanctions. Like this is, this kind of stuff is not making Australia look good. And I know you have more updates on some guardianship stuff. There's been huge 
trials that you guys are like traveling to and court watching and update us with that and we already are having callers wanting to ask questions so let's get a little bit more update and then we will take your questions callers and i have also been text a question but hope i told them try and call in if they can't get in i'll ask the question so um update us a little bit more and then we're going to take some callers you guys Okay. Chrissy, Mia, you can update um you can update us in regards to what happened in South South Australia. What what were your thoughts in the recent hearing regarding the um, mum and son? Well, well, my thoughts is it's a it's look the whole the whole process the whole system has to be taken down. I, I'm really I'm without speech. Let's put it this way: I'm without speech in that the way the process is the process. But the process is an unjust process. I believe it's a, a, it's the only option that the higher courts have because of the Act. So, I, you know, I believe that the, the, the court in this case obviously ruled correctly, but I don't believe it should have... The process, how it's now turning out to be that... Um, is, is an unjust process. It is not a... Um, it's, I believe it's a deceptive process, but that all comes down to the Act and, and the legislation that has been enacted for it. Without getting too much into the story, because obviously, um, you know, you can't sort of say names, but I'm just trying to simplify it. The, the pro- whole process I'm going to keep is abhorrent. It is an abhorrent process. It is, a, it, is, it is a process that I believe is designed for you to fail or at least exhaust you mentally, financially, physically, in every way. And the person who is being abused is left to dangle there for longer. So um, it, it, it's just, like I said, I, I'm just, my, um, my, I don't know, I just, I do have the words, but I can't say them. Uh, it's it's just horrific. <laughs> it's just it's not. It's the process is not justice. You know how how do you say you are fed into a system that just continues to lead, and then you're mm. led to believe that okay, well this is the procedure, and and you're winning. But you are you really winning? Is the person that you're fighting for really winning? No, they're left in the system. So because you have to fight, you may have won that hurdle, right? Then you've got another hurdle. So how long does this whole process take for you to be able to save somebody? To be for you to be able to get yeah, and we and we have that problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a problem yeah. cause here in in, 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 in uh, yeah. And that's the same in the US. Our, our vulnerable are being targeted. They're being targeted. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. but the whole process allows yeah. to feed into that system and to continue. So meanwhile, you're fighting for a year two whatever to whether it's to see your loved one to get them out of the system and you're fighting really mm-hmm. I call it the fixes in arena it is a corrupt arena in that it's um, whether through the legislation is interpreted whichever way you want whoever whoever you stand before so it's just um, you know that's probably for another issue to speak more about it but I just believe it, it, it's a, it's a fraudulent arena designed for one purpose you know, if one person may make it out of there with a good result, another 10 will have been basically fed into... Mm, captured, you know, yeah. In, mm. 
captured basically and, and fed into, you know, for everybody to have their little piece of. Uh, it's just, yeah, I think that's really the important thing is if, if we try to keep... Work, like it's a crime scene. To me, it's a crime scene. And you've got the legislation here, you've got the institutions, you've got the victims. Let's put it all together. Let's show the world how it's... Or the people how... Explain how what's really happening. Because as Reverend Ralph mm. said, most people are not even aware. When I had the misfortune mm. myself of being... Um, involved in the system with my loved one, with my late mother, um, I had no idea. We were led into it, believing, okay, at that time, uh, maybe, you know, being, you know. I had no idea seven years later, uh, my family member, I had no idea how evil, how despicable it was. And that's what led mm-hmm. Chris, obviously, we realised we, you know, you know, how do we, what do we do? We, we could, I couldn't walk away. I managed to get my family, my mother out. But many people don't, and I thought I couldn't just walk away and say, "Okay, well, I've got my mother out," um, without sharing, because I was lucky enough to, to have someone share their knowledge with me. And I thought I can't just walk away. People have got to know about this, because the truth is, we're all the next victim. We're all going to be the next victim yeah. down the line as we age. Absolutely. And, and so that basically was mine. So. I know, and from there it started, as I said, we support people, we try to enlighten them what's happening. A lot of people initially don't sort of believe that, oh, well, I'm following the process, so I'm going to get the right results. Before they know it, know it bang, they're gone. Uh, the state has taken over their loved one's finances, uh, everything, decision-making, and, and that's it. Um, and so it's really showing them, showing them the evidence that, that what's really happening in this system. Oh, hey, are you guys ready for a call? We've got, mm-hmm. let's see if I can get them through. All right, we have area code 773. Let me see if I can put you through here. Area code 773, you're live and on the air. Yes, good evening. This is Aldona. I have a Hi, question. Aldona. To the... Yes, hello. I have a question to the girls from Australia. I would like to, uh, I would like to connect with Joseph from Poland, which he escaped uh, Australia uh, under guardianship. And uh, so he's in Poland right now. Also, President of Poland visited him because he was fighting uh, uh, under uh, Monte Carlo. So my my mother died under guardianship in 2020, Mm. and I would like to contact Joseph and bring another person, uh, another person, so we can basically show them that Joseph was incompetent or maybe disabled in Australia, but now he's functioning fine in Poland. So as my mother. could be free and functioning fine, but they made her sick, abused, neglected, and they murdered my mom. She didn't die because she had to die. They they put my mom 16 under. So I would love to... Exactly. I would love to contact with Joseph, which I don't have... I can contact the... with Joseph probably through the president of uh, Poland, uh, I don't have a contact with him, but I'm sure you girls have uh, any yes, information yes. about him. Yes, I do. We watched, we followed that. Yes. 
Let me just summarize what happened with Joseph. Yeah. yeah? Um, yes. Joseph was a, a war veteran, uh, a World War II war, war veteran. Um, he, he was born in Poland. He migrated to Australia. 100% Aussie guy, you know, wonderful um, man, wasn't married, uh, no, um, no, no children, I think distant family in Poland. Um, he, was, he was allegedly, I have to use the words allegedly, captured by the public guardians uh, in New South Wales and placed into a nursing home. Two advocates visiting um, another family member uh, met Joseph and he complained that he was uh, held against his will, allegedly held against his will. He was under public guardianship and he wanted to return home. The two advocates, Matus and Melanie, and now I'm in contact with Melanie, so I can uh, forward those details to you, Cos, and the lady can actually possibly contact Melanie and therefore contact Joseph. Um, he... Fortunately, with their assistance, wonderful advocates, was able to go back to Poland and he did not return to Australia. And there was, um, there was a... a threat. Sorry? Threat. There were threats. They threatened Sorry, what was that? They, didn't they threaten Joseph that he, he must come back? Oh, they, did. They, thre they threatened extradition orders. And um, we, we have a few cases, actually. We have people fleeing the country. We have a few cases where they fled, fled interstate as well. That's happening a lot now in Australia. People are actually fleeing Australia. Uh, we have a lady at the moment that um, we're assisting and supporting. Um, she has fled Australia as well, and she's actually um, in the United States. I can't give out any more details than that. Uh, she's running from the public guardians. Um, Joseph did the same. Joseph fled to Poland. He refused to come back. The, um, the New South Wales government attempted to extradite him. The president stepped in of Poland and stopped the government. And he's living apparently a wonderful life in Poland. Um, he's, he's in his 90s and he's a success story. He fled the country. Uh, I mean, we've, we've got people fleeing Australia, um, fleeing the country or going interstate running from the public guardians. It is not acceptable that our human rights in this country don't exist. We don't have a Bill of Rights. Uh, Joseph is an example of somebody who had to go back and he did not want to come back to Australia at all. And he would have died in that... Uh, well, I believe, and this is my opinion, I yep. believe he would have uh, uh, prematurely died if he stayed in Australia. And he's now living a free life in Poland. And I'm happy to pass on Cos those details to you and you can forward them on to the lady in regards to uh, connecting with Joseph. A wonderful Thank advocate, Melanie. She fought for him and she got him out. Yeah. Wow. So did Joseph out. have a dual Did he have a dual citizenship and that's how he was able to do it? I think or? he did. Well, it doesn't that's really matter. Yeah, I mean... If yeah. you're, my parents are of, of Greek origin, yeah. so I automatically mm -hmm. am a, I, I automatically have dual citizenship to Greece, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. In the tribunals, um, they can hear any. It's interesting because the law is quite interesting. They can hear any cases that involve overseas um, individuals that are living in Australia. 
plus those in the state. What they do have a problem is, is between state borders. So that is a federal matter. So any matters that deal with uh, state versus the state cannot be heard in the tribunal. They can only be heard in the federal courts. So that is the limitation. So jurisdiction and capacity are the, are the two areas where the tribunals have power. So they can only make decisions uh, regarding um, individuals in their state although they now are playing a really sneaky game, even in that I had a, a woman call me last week. She's from Queensland. She is currently staying in New South Wales and NCAT are trying to guardianise her. And she called me and I said, but you're, you're a um, Queensland resident. And she said, but they've made an application. So it was an NDIS provider that's made that application. Now, NCAT does not have the jurisdiction to make a, make a ruling in that case. They have no power. Even though she's in the state, she's actually a resident, so their powers are null and void. But they actually did want to... Do, I actually received a call from the tribunal more or less telling me, well, you know, she this particular lady attends New South Wales hospitals. And I clarified to the tribunal quite clearly, she's a Queensland resident. You don't have jurisdiction so they're now mudding those waters as well they really are ramping it up we've seen um, from 2005 in Western Australia there were 232 guardians in that state currently uh, or oh, sorry 232 people under guardianship well, let me correct that now there are 3,000 individuals wow. under public guardianship most of them are young adults over the age of 18 they are now targeting your children over the age of 18 because we have an insurance package that could be up to millions of dollars on, on basically a target on these vulnerable people they are grabbing these people they're, they're placing them in SIL accommodation which is supported living accommodation away from their family they are denied, they are isolated and medicated and the reason the state are doing that and this is our belief and what we're seeing is to deny them state services so it's actually a saving to the state. So we've got another racket, a different racket. It's not just the elderly, it's the young as well. It is, I call it, and Marty used to call it, a soft kill and I think that's what it is, yeah. We're seeing it here in Marty, the United States young now. with the young disabled. You have it as well. Yeah, we they well. There's child protective services that will take them when they're under 18, but we're also seeing yeah. they're disabled children. Anyone who once they're 18, they have a disability where they still need their parents to take care of them. Those children are being guardianized, and I know there are some horrid examples that have happened out of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is the county where. Uh, Reverend Ralph and I both ex have experienced the abuse on our families. Reverend Ralph is ongoing. My loved one has um, suffered to, or he succumbed to the injuries of guardianship, and he is no longer with us. So I have a question. Knowing that this is now going global, how do you think this will work when people are on vacation and they vacation in, in other countries? I know that here in the United States, you can go 
to another state, if you're in some sort of a dilapidated uh, car accident, you're stuck in that state. There is an example of that happening in Montgomery County. What do you all, what does everyone think about as far as like world travel and how safe are people? I mean, you could just go into these other countries and become guardianized. And is there any, is what could happen? What, what do you think, Reverend Ralph? How safe are we to travel? Well, it's a good question because the fact that uh, governments seem to believe that they own the people. Now, in this country, we have the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, but if those rights are not enforced by the courts, which are the ones that are taking these people and stealing their money and guardianizing uh, family members, the Bill of Rights really doesn't mean anything. If uh, the government and the uh, courts are able to do this, for their own personal finances. So it's, it's, it's pretty sad when uh, the law enforcement, whose job is to enforce the laws and protect the people, are only concerned with them if uh, they're not going to make a dollar o- over them or off of them. And, so, and uh, Kristen, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say – yeah, sorry, guys. Let me, just a quick thing. Uh, a lady was talking about uh, having uh, various countries as far as like a uh, oversight committee, and uh, this is what I've mentioned several times on the show that every state in this country should have their own association, so those laws that are specific just to that state can be um, uh, popularized by having a website just for that state, an association of just that state, uh, for that state. So therefore, people in that state, if they're having problems with family members and guardians, they can look to that association for help and knowing what laws are more specific to their state. So I'll send it back to you, Cuz. I think that's an excellent idea. So I have a, a question here. So in Australia, we have people who have dual citizenships who are being forced, like the story of Poland, being forced into guardianship and have flee to Poland. Have you heard of anyone coming in from the United States as a tourist and being thrown into a guardianship? They wouldn't, I don't think no. they wouldn't be able to do it because of jurisdiction. No. They wouldn't be able to do yeah, it. It's a jurisdictional. It's because yeah. you couldn't seize their property. You couldn't seize their property. You couldn't seize their assets. There's no way. Um, ah, that makes sense. It. It's not like between states. So they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able, no way they'd be able to do it because it's like, right, well, you've got to sell your, you know, condominium in uh, Florida and, uh, well, you know, we're going to right. take over. So I can't ever see that happening, but obviously between states they can change things up and yeah, they okay. well, there's no, mm. borders there. no borders. So, okay, if you're a resident here, wherever it happens, well, that hasn't happened yet. Um but uh, never, you know, you never know in the future. I mean, I don't think that they would go over state lines because, uh, as I said, then that that could cause a bit of a problem. So that could become even more. Well, people are becoming creative, aren't they? They're becoming. You have to become. You really do have to become. I'm an accountant by trade, so I look at. It's about money, right? It's about making money and saving right. money, guys. Right. So the state. Why are they targeting now those over 18? We need to discuss this. No one is safe anymore. Um, Those with disabilities over the age of 18, particularly those with mental incapacity but physically fit, they live long lives. 
and it's a cost to the state. We're talking decades. Now, multiply that by the hundreds of thousands in the same situation. The governments, the state particularly, look at vulnerable people as a burden, a burden to the state. This is why they're targeting uh, the vulnerable here in Australia. NDIS has been, that's an insurance, that's called the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And it's sold as a package as we're here to help you. We're from the government and we're here to help you live at home and have <laughs> supports. What we are seeing is an explosive increase in guardianship applications by NDIS providers throwing vulnerable people under public guardianship and the public guardians love it. Any excuse, divorce, family conflict, um, a disagreement with the provider will throw you into, the, into public guardianship. Anything can be done to remove, any, any excuse can be used to remove your human rights. We had a lady who called me up two weeks ago and um, and the member in VCAT threw that case out and she did the right thing. Uh, an NDIS provider was, fight, was actually disagreeing with her. So she disagreed with her insurance provider and the solution for the provider was to um, apply for guardianship to control the decision making. Fortunately in her case, and she had, I know the member, that uh, not know her, but I know which member it was, um, the member basically threw that case out and that's good. It's good. These cases should never see the light of day. But that's not happening often. That's really, it's a real, often what we're seeing is the vulnerable person ends up under public guardianship. Now people are now becoming creative. What we're seeing is uh, people are leaving their assets in one state and living in another state, for example. There's Ooh. one lady that's actually, yes, so she's doing that. Another lady, oh, this is wonderful. She now is living three, you know, she's living permanently on cruise ships. So her assets are in Australia and she's taking all these world cruise ships all over the world. She's, um, she's got a doctor on board, she's, she's fed well and she said to me, Chris, my salary is going on these, and I'm, I'm actually saving money because all she does is buy ticket after ticket after ticket. Um, so she, that's her insurance scheme. Other individuals we know have left their assets here and are living in either Greece or Italy. So they're living in their, in their well, I wouldn't say they're, they're probably third-generation Italian or Greek, so they're actually living overseas and they've left their assets in Australia. So they can't be guardianised. We need to be creative. We need to realise that this is happening. We need to start thinking outside of the box. We, by sitting still and thinking it won't happen to us, you're a target. You're a target. I've set up trusts. Um, others I know are setting up trusts as well. They can be dismantled in a court. But there are yeah. other things that I'm thinking of doing to become more creative. We really need to be... It reminds me of the migration period. We need to be mobile. We need to be ready to go because once they have the physical body, it is very difficult to reverse that decision. Once they've got you, it's very hard to escape. Chris, we also need to reach out to other nationalities and cultures and language like translate into other you know, languages um, that are not aware, you know what I mean? They move yeah. around or countries and they're not really aware what's going on. So that's another way of reaching out to other groups um, and just broadening 
you know, the reach and the information, getting the information out, you know, getting people to make sure that they've got, even though they mean nothing in these arenas, at least if you have a will, if you have enduring power of attorney, the advanced care directive, so your wishes, you know, if you want to be resuscitated or don't, we know that they all get thrown under the, the you know, in the rubbish, but at least you have them. Um, and it's just more evidence, really, that they don't even take note of your wishes when you have capacity. So it's just, I think it's just important, really, just to educate the whole population. As we all know, not everybody knows this is going on. And I think, just as more people I, sort of get... I think that's an excellent idea. You, you, There's, like, two really good ideas. One was leaving your assets in one country and then li- retiring in another country because you're right, that other country is not going to want to guardianize you because it's going to be really hard for them to seize the assets. And the other thing is all the different languages. And ASCA actually has a commercial. Is it in Italian that you said it, that commercial runs that's out on the Internet? What we're starting to do is we're reaching out, um, and I'm in that process. I've had some private issues that have sort of slowed me down, but um, we are now translating. Uh, we have a two-minute video, and we have a 40-second video that summarises the process. What we are now doing is we are translating these videos in, in the 10 major languages in this country. So Hindu, Arabic, Spanish, Greek. We've already got Greek. We've already got Italian. Um, thanks to um, members in our group. Um, we're targeting the Vietnamese community as well. I've, I've received quite a few uh, calls from members of the Vietnamese community um, regarding guardianship. They're being targeted in Australia as well. Um, uh, Mandarin, Cantonese, we're targeting all the languages. So what we're trying to do is this year we'll be translating our main video into the top 10 languages in this country. Um, that are spoken and reaching out to our most vulnerable members being women and women of an ethnic background because particularly they are being targeted, they are frightened, they are alone. Uh, Two weeks ago I went to um, a local hospital here to translate for a Greek woman um, who was nearly captured by the public guardian. Um, She didn't even know what she was signing this should not be happening. Uh, we are seeing no. um, people walk going into hospitals and, and one particular hatred of mine, vulnerable people or people that are palliative, people in hospice dying, I think it should be a criminal act to sign any legal documents, wills particularly, the last few weeks of someone's death. That is to me the most... I don't know how mm-hmm. people live with themselves. Going When someone is dying heavily medicated, often delusional. Why would you change their will? This is a predatory practice that is happening, you know, so often. And I and I receive calls every month regarding this. I don't know why this is happening, how this has been allowed to happen, but that must stop. That is absolutely a vile act. And it's um, happening more and more. And we see it often. And, and, and we need to educate people that... Even after you've lost capacity under the law, so to speak, legal documents are being changed. It's it's outrageous. I don't know how people can yeah. live with themselves doing it, but they well, do the it. State, the state they is do it themselves. The state is doing it. The state does it itself. They they're the first yes, ones to go. 
uh, send the public trustees to hospitals with will brochures for a person that is supposedly lost capacity, but it's fine for them to present themselves with their will brochures and, you know, do you want to do your will? Um, that's obviously got another um, um, massive conflict wow. of interest there, what they're doing. I mean, uh, we could talk about yeah. this for ages, really. <laughs> yes. I really love the idea um, about all the messages in the different languages. I know I posted the one in, in um, Italian, so you'll have to send yes. me as they come out with the, with the different languages so we can post them and get them shared because it's very similar to what's being done here in the United States. So we just have 10 minutes left, and we are doing a call-in campaign. So I wanted to just review who our next senator is who we're going to call. So we just started this. This is um, Debbie Dahmer's challenge, and yes. she is mm-hmm. one of the closest friends of Marty. She runs TS Radio Network Voices for Animals, and um, she has become my mama bear. Marty put her in charge of making sure that I would be able to keep running this net- network. And so I love Debbie Dahmer, and the challenge is, is that we have to start taking action and calling our elected officials. So what we're doing, and I don't know how the government is there in Australia, but we have Democrat Republicans. So we're going back and forth, Democrat Republican. We're not going to, you know, pick one or the other because we think, you know, it's kind of like a uniparty. But anyway, the first one that we called was Bob Casey, and we thanked him for holding that Senate hearing. Then, And he was a Democrat. And then we called Mike Braun, and he's the Republican guy on that like the ranking Republican on the Senate committee for elder for aging. And then last week we did our, we actually have a hero in government and we were shocked. And his name is Art Haywood and he's out of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. He took part of a uh, Pennsylvania spotlight webinar that was hosted by a newspaper there. And he is totally he totally understands the scam. He's right there with us. Wouldn't you agree, Reverend Ralph? Did you ever get to listen to the webinar? He was so impressive. So he was who we picked last time. So this week I picked a I picked a really good one. So I hope everyone, you either can call the congressional hotline, and I did find out if you are not a U.S. citizen, you can still call the congressional hotline if for some reason you believe a crime is being committed on U.S. soil or you are related to someone who is in the United States as a citizen and you believe that this crime affects them. So I'll let you guys decide if that counts for you to call in. But we are going to pick another senator on the Committee of Aging, and there's a Republican, and this is a very important one for us to call. He is U.S. Senator Tim Scott out of South Carolina. Now, why we want to do Tim Scott? He actually has put his hat, yeah, he put his hat in in the the ring ring to run for president, yeah, president of the United States of America. Now, what I have found when I have um, been calling these different senators and what I'll see on some of the websites, because I never get, my call gets dropped when I call the hotline, so now you have to turn around, and I've had to do emails every single time. I've actually found when you go to their congressional websites that some of them say uh, they only want to hear from their constituents because they get such a high volume of mail. Well, if Tim Scott is about to run for President of the United States, he better not be only wanting to hear from his constituents because the ballot will be cast in his name across America. 
So that is why for this fourth week of our Debbie Dahmer Challenge, I picked Scott, U.S. Senator from South Carolina. And what we're going to do is we're going to be really nice. You can either call or do your email. And you're going to thank him for being part of that that Senate special hearing on guardianship, which thank you, ASGA, for participating in that and sending um, documents over to them. And you got called the U.S. Territory by Bob Casey. That was funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so just if anybody doesn't know, Australia is not a U.S. Territory. They are their own separate country, and it is a, a scary that a senator didn't know that. But anyway, we think Tim Scott probably knows that. So we are going to write him and thank him for participating in that Senate hearing on aging on guardianship, and we were going to ask that a timely hearing would be scheduled again because the last time they had a hearing on this topic was five years ago. So we can't be revisiting this every five years. And the fact that Tim Scott is running for President of the United States of America, he should hear what we care about if he wants to be the leader of the free world. So what do you guys think of our pick for Tim Scott this week to be the yeah. writer that we're going to write, we're going to send our emails. Yeah. So if you haven't yeah. sent your messages, you can catch up or start start fresh and keep up with us every week. We're going to keep alternating. And if anyone has somebody that they would like to nominate, just send me a message and nominate your public official that we should all write to. So. We have about five minutes left. What should we talk about? One last, one last thing from Australia. What do you got? Um, well, we've got the new stories that are coming out. We've had, um, we've had quite a few. I'm not sure if you're on Twitter, um, Cos, but we've had quite a few exposés. The ABC here has, uh, particularly in Western Australia, a wonderful journalist. Um, um, has been uh, exposing Kason Aho, has been exposing guardianship, and he's been doing some wonderful exposes here. And what we need to do is we need more stories, we need more journalists, journalists like him. And we've had Anne Connolly and other journalists who have been excellent um, reporting and exposing. And I think uh, going back a step where, you, where where Reverend Ralph talked about local areas. Everyone, whether they're part of NASGA or ASGA or, or advocates running their own shows, everyone should just jump on social media, talk about guardianship. They don't have to belong to any group. Um, single advocates have been fighting in this country to expose guardianship abuse for decades. I mean, our group is relatively new. Our approach is on a national level, but there are local groups, there are local people that are, that are out there in Australia exposing guardianship abuse, not aligned with us. Hats off to them. You know, the more the merrier. The more people that are out there talking about what's going on, talking about the stories, that's what we need. We had a situation called Father Bob recently. Um, he was a well-known... Um, an advocate for for those homeless and downtrodden, he was he actually posted on Twitter. He was guardianised. He was guardianised, wow. and he posted, "They're out to get me." And the um and and just to give you an idea that the um his friends contacted Asgar. We were about to meet Father Bob, and he passed away. Um, um in, in care. Uh, yeah, he passed away. Um, we were actually going to meet him the day he passed away. So he passed away, and that was wow. really sad. But really exposed 
that no one is safe. When Father Bob or any, any, you know, we see Wendy Williams, we see all of these celebrities worldwide, Britney Spears, as we know, one of the most famous guardianship victims. Um, if they can grab Father Bob, if they can grab Britney Spears, if they can grab um, any celebrity, do you really think you're safe? Do you really think your child's safe? This is a human rights issue. It is above politics. You can be a Democrat. You can be, um, you know, um, uh, a conservative. You can vote for whoever. They will target you regardless of your politics. Politics, is, this is above politics. This is about our human rights. This is happening worldwide. It's far more, we're in a far more dangerous situation in Australia because it is a government-run uh, system. Um, so we actually have, we're actually fighting the government. We're actually, you know, up against Crown solicitors. Like, and that's, that's the problem for us here. We're up against Crown solicitors every time people. we're going to court. It's, it's trafficking yeah. people. And actually, uh, this year, there appears to be a lot of horror stories coming out from, I think, the US about uh, trafficking children as well. We're really at a, an evil time, I think, in history where, um, and I think now's the time for everybody to speak out on all the abuses of all the people, young children, you know, traffic through the system there, horrific, horrific um, stories that I, I think have had to come out, as well as guardianship. You know, it's just, it's human trafficking, it's slavery, it's, it's all that, it's pure evil. And it's got a, the, the guardianship system is not a, a system that has got to be put on a pedestal as, as if it's some sort of protective arena it's got to be shown for yeah. what it, how it truly is operating and you may have one success story and then the rest are just abuse horror pure evil i mean the mm, I, that they go yeah. through, you know i agree it's human trafficking Sorry. we're down to about 30 seconds i want to thank everyone for coming on tonight real quick our sponsors are asga we are also sponsored by nasga also, Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, and Chris will be part of that Whistleblower Summit as we carry on Marty's panel at the summit. We're also sponsored by Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. We will be back next week with Caring for the Caregiver with Valerie Choi. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We had a lot of people listening tonight. Thank you, Reverend Ralph. Thank you, Chris and Mia. Everyone have a great night. Good night. Bye, Carl. Bye. 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 Bye.